Hello, and welcome to this week's Aging with Grace podcast titled, Where Should I Live as I Get Older If I Have Money? Thank you for joining me as we explore this question of where to live as we grow older. Next week, I will be launching a podcast titled, Where Should I Live as I Grow Older If I Don't Have Money? I'm D.G. Linton Gridley, founder and owner of, of Aging with Grace, a company whose mission is to help our members to their best health and quality of life through home and community-based services, and I'm so grateful you have chosen to listen to this week's podcast, this week's Aging with Grace podcast. In our culture, people seem to have the opinion that older people are supposed to move into a senior living community. I am approaching this question from a personal perspective because I will be 67 years old in a month, and I think if you are a baby boomer like me or know a baby boomer, you can understand and benefit from what I'm going to share. Sharing is caring. My hope for this podcast is to give you some useful information. I considered moving into a senior living community myself several years ago. As I've said before, I was born in 1956. Like many people my age, I have been thinking about this question of where to live as an older person for quite a while. Perhaps unlike many people my age, I started thinking about this question of where to live as, a, as I grow older when I was a teenager. My grandmother and my great-grandmother lived side by side in a duplex. I think my great-grandmother and my grandmother and grandfather moved into the duplex soon after my great-grandfather died. My great-grandfather and grandmother lived on a farm when my great-grandfather had a heart attack and died at the age of 60. So my great-grandmother and my grandfather and grandmother lived in the duplex since before I was born. I saw my great-grandmother aging in place. I saw my great-grandmother go from an active older person to a sedentary older person, from an intelligent and social person to a person who didn't talk. I even remember when I was a very little girl, I remember seeing a gentleman come to visit to take her out on a date. I was told she had other suitors, men who wanted to court my great-grandmother, but she never did marry. She was a Mormon, and it was complicated, but she was very active. She babysat to earn shopping money. She was involved in her church. She cooked for family gatherings. I don't remember that she drove, though. Many women back in those days didn't drive. My grandmother did drive and took her to the store, or my grandmother or my grandfather would take her to the store or wherever she wanted to go. So I saw my great grandmother living an, an active lifestyle. She was very involved in the community and going places and doing things and able to take care of her own living space and garden. I remember she had a beautiful vegetable garden and flowers and chickens. She went from that life to a life mainly consisting of sitting in her chair and only getting up to go to the bathroom or to the table and then to bed, and then she progressed to a life of not even even being able to get up from her chair to being bedridden. These changes happened over a 25-year period, and the time she was really sedentary lasted about two years, from when my great-grandmother was 68 to when she passed away at age 93. During that last part of her life, where she could only sit in her chair or lying in her bed, my grandmother moved into her living space and slept on the couch. They put a hospital bed in my great-grandmother's living room for her to sleep in, and my grandmother slept on the couch in the same room. 
My grandmother was the oldest of six children, one other girl and four boys, but none of the other children helped my grandmother with my great-grandmother's care. I don't know if they thought she was the most capable because she was a nurse or because she was the oldest, but in my experience, that's always the way in families with more than one child. One of the children has to do it all because no one else is willing to help. Sometimes none of the children are willing to care for their aging parent so that they can age in place, allowing them to die in their own home instead of going into a nursing home. The person whose children refuse to provide care so they can age in place and die in their own home are are put in or placed, as is the euphemism, into a senior living community or a nursing home. So it was especially sad when that happened to my grandmother after she had sacrificed so much to take care of her own mother. I had asked my grandmother when I was a young woman and watching her take care of her aging mother, my great-grandmother, why she did not put her mother in a nursing home. And she said, she's my mommy. How could I? But my grandmother's children were not willing to take care of her after her stroke. She lingered for three years in a nursing home. I'm speaking from my experience because I've seen it happen over and over with other people. What I experienced is very common in a lot of families. I'm not saying it happens to every family, and I hope it doesn't happen in your family, and I certainly hope it doesn't happen to you. I know it happens enough to cause our government concern for the future of the baby boomer generation because there are so many of us, and the baby boomer generation has not saved money to pay for long-term care according to the statistics, and families are not as close as they used to be. Families don't provide the unpaid care like my grandmother provided for her mother. If we all went into a nursing home, there wouldn't be enough money, there wouldn't be enough government money to pay for it all. So the government is encouraging aging in place. It is less expensive. But this podcast is for people who have money. The government does not worry about paying for your long-term care if you have money unless your money runs out, and that often happens too, because long-term care is very expensive. So if you have money and you're no longer able to do the activities of daily living, that is dressing, bathing, walking, transferring, toileting, eating, any one of those or two of those or more, or if you have dementia and you need some help, you may be looking to move to a senior living community. Or even if you can do all those things, but you're not fit enough or If you just don't have the inclination to take care of a house and yard, you may be thinking about moving into a senior living community. Most people have a house and a yard when they're in their child-rearing years, but after the kids leave home, people often move into a smaller home or a condominium, but they still own it. And then a few years later, people often think it would be nice not to have to cook or clean or drive myself places. Perhaps one is having trouble seeing or one's reflexes have really slowed down or one has had an accident and decides they're not comfortable driving so that one starts thinking about living in an independent living senior community or an assisted living senior community. Let Let me explain the different levels of senior living here in Kentucky, and I think this is pretty much the case everywhere in the country. And again, this is for people who have money. Of course, there are single family houses and duplexes and multiple family houses. In this living arrangement, people are all on their own. Of course, there is a new movement afoot called 
shared housing. From what I understand, this is an agreement that homeowners or apartment dwellers make to share the labor and the cost of maintaining their residences. I don't think the agreement includes meals and housekeepings and personal care, though. More research is needed. This is kind of a new thing. As we get older, we might choose to live in an independent living community. This can consist of a group of single dwelling units like little cottage houses or duplexes, little houses side by side, or it may be a high-rise apartment building or any kind of multi-unit building. They are licensed, I don't mean licensed, I mean certified by the state of Kentucky as independent senior living communities. That means that they will furnish housekeeping and make meals available. There is often an additional charge for the meals, and the housekeeping may or may not include a change of bedding and towels. It may or may not include a laundry service, and if it does include a laundry service, there is usually an additional charge. Senior living communities are not allowed to manage or administer medication for their residents. They do not staff employees to help people with dressing and bathing and ambulating. They may or may not have physical therapy available to the residents. They may or may not have an activity program available to the residents. They often do provide transportation, but residents must sign up in advance. Transportation is not an on-demand service. Independent senior living communities usually do have a hair salon and nice dining room. Some of the higher-end independent senior living communities have such amenities as a spa and a pool and a workout room and a movie theater, etc. They remind me of a stationary cruise ship. They are very luxurious. They often have entertainment for special occasions. Next up on the ladder of increasing levels of care and help, we have assisted living communities. Assisted living communities for seniors is just what the name implies. The community usually staffs employees that will give a little assistance to the residents. So in addition to the housekeeping and the meals and the laundry and the transportation, there are usually resident assistants who will help people get dressed or help people with bathing or help people down to the dining room or give medication reminders. The staff still isn't allowed to administer the medication or to manage the medication, as in they aren't allowed to put the pills in the pill boxes, but they can knock on the residents' doors and get them a drink of water and put the pill box in front of them and point to the day of the week and the time for that particular pill or pills to be taken. The resident has to be able to put the pill in their mouth, though. And assisted living communities are all over the map when it comes to cost and what your money buys. Some assisted livings have an all-inclusive cost. Others are a la carte, where you only pay for what you need. And most assisted livings have a very good activities program, but the residents have to choose to participate. And they have to be there at the right time for the activity. There are some states that require the assisted living community to employ a nurse. My state, Kentucky, is preparing to require assisted livings to employ a nurse if they provide memory care. But all independent living and assisted living costs are like paying rent. You don't get that money back. There is one independent living community here in Lexington that refunds 85% of the money, but the resident has to give them $200,000 cash but that was back when I worked there in 2012. I'm sure it is more now if they even still do it. 
and both independent living communities and assisted living communities do not provide one-on-one full-time assistance as part of the cost. Residents are welcome to hire their own person or contract with an agency for one-on-one help. Some independent living and assisted living communities have formed their own agency for providing the one-on-one full-time assistance, but I'm not fond of this arrangement because there are no checks and balances. In other words, no employee is going to report what the facility is doing wrong because that same facility is writing their check, and vice versa. I think when outside agencies are providing the one-on-one help, the resident gets better help. It's the same problem that nursing homes have. In nursing homes, the same person is writing the check for every employee and every department. Housekeeping, maintenance, nursing, personal care, dietary services, laundry, etc. Nursing homes even have their own doctors. Outsiders have very little power to enact change except for the civil monetary penalties that the OIG inspections fine the violators. That is a subject for another podcast. But I'm jumping ahead. We have gone from single-family homes to independent living communities to assisted living communities. The next step up the ladder of increasing services after assisted living comes personal care homes. Personal care homes provide all the services already mentioned, plus personal care like bathing, dressing, help with transferring from a wheelchair to a toilet to a bed, help with incontinence, and help with medication. To be honest with you, I really don't know for sure what personal care homes include in their cost because I haven't had that much experience with them and they are very difficult to research online. In my opinion, people who need a personal care home also need a skilled nursing facility or will soon need a skilled nursing facility. The one personal care home that I'm familiar with is actually attached to a nursing home here in Lexington. Nursing home and skilled nursing facility are synonymous names. Rehabilitation center is another name. Some people truly do get rehabilitated there in the rehabilitation center after a hospital stay, and they are discharged in due time. But some people cannot rehabilitate and stay there for a long period of time, slowly declining until death. Skilled nursing facilities or or nursing homes or rehabilitation centers are the next rung up the ladder of increasing services and places for seniors to live. Nursing homes typically look like hospitals on the inside. They do not look like a place for someone to live. The ones I am familiar with are noisy and have bright lights and lots of activity everywhere. There is absolutely no privacy. Most of the rooms are double rooms. There are private rooms available, but they are horribly expensive. A nursing home is necessary, however, if someone needs 24-7 care and they don't have any money. 24-7 care is mostly needed by people who are bedridden and incontinent. For people who have money, however, they can get the same care at home wherever they choose to call home. For the medical care that someone needs, Medicare will pay for a nurse to come into the home if your doctor orders it. Some people think that a nursing home is good because they think that they will get lots of care there, but the truth is the nursing home resident is alone most of the time or with other nursing home patients who are not in their right mind and who cannot communicate. Yes, there is staff at the nursing home, but they are bustling about and don't have time to spend on any one patient. 
So that is the top of the ladder of increasing services provided in a place that one may live. The next step of the ladder is heaven <laughs> or nirvana or wherever you, whatever you believe is the next step after the nursing home. There are also communities called Continuum of Care Communities or CCCs for short. In these communities, people can start out in the independent living housing and then move into assisted living and then into personal care and then into skilled nursing if the residents' needs require. I don't understand the CCC concept because moving is moving. I mean, if you have to move from one place to another, you could move from outside the community just as well. And again, having everything contained in one community fosters abuse, in my opinion. And CCCs are horribly expensive. As you can see, there are many options available for people who have money, and it requires a lot of research in advance to determine which is best for you. We are all individuals and unique in our preferences and opinions. Oh, there is also another senior living community here in Lexington called Heartland Hills that is part of a bigger network of assisted livings or independent livings. I'm not sure which they are, but I know that the residents of Heartland Hills have the option of spending time at another community in another state for part of the year. It's almost like timeshares from what I gather. A resident buys into the program and abides by the organization's rules and parameters to schedule stays in other parts of the country. But again, it's like rent. There is no ROI on the investment. And if you don't care to leave a legacy to a beloved cause or charity or an inheritance to your heirs, then this might be a good option for you, as well as the other ones I've mentioned. Also, if you like to travel, you could always contract with an agency or an individual that you trust emphasis on the word trust, to accompany, accompany you on your travels. But you would still need to have a place to store your stuff in between your expeditions. So, where would you like to live for the next 30 years, I am asking myself and you. I am working to maintain my physical abilities well into my 90s, but things do happen that are out of my control and out of your control. But hopefully we will stay physically active and healthy as we get older. So if we are physically capable and healthy, we can live anywhere we want. And if we have the money, even if we do suffer a debilitation, we can still live wherever we want. For myself, I prefer to live in a regular apartment building, a condominium. I want to own my own condo. It's a secure condominium that requires a key fob to get in. There is a superintendent in the office Monday through Friday, 8 to 4. I also want to own a little house in Florida. I would like to spend half of the year here in Lexington, Kentucky, and half of the year in Florida. I'm not sure we're in Florida yet. I have toyed with the idea of moving to an exotic tropical country like Mexico or Malaysia, but that's a little scary to me, so I don't think I'll do it, although the American dollar goes a lot further there. Wherever I live, though, it will not be a senior living community. I don't like the idea of seeing older people exclusively all day long, every day. I like to interact with all ages. In my condominium, we have college students and young professionals and older people of all ages, from the young middle age to the older folks. No children, though, except for an occasional, occasional visitor. I like the security of my condominium because I realize that as I get older, I am more vulnerable. Perhaps... I'll move into a condo in Florida, too, for the same reason. 
I want to go to Florida in the winter because we have a lot of ice here in Lexington, and it is scary to me sometimes because I don't want to fall and break a bone. This winter has been great, though, so far, not much ice at all. I was hoping to just go visit Florida this year between Christmas and New Year, but Michael got the flu, and so he didn't go. I do miss seeing the beach at least once a year. My mother lived in Florida for the last 35 years of her life, and I went to visit her as often as I could. You probably have a similar favorite area from vacations or favorite places you have visited. If you have money, you can live anywhere you like, as I said earlier, and you can afford to pay for services to come to you, no matter your physical condition or debility. However, if you suffer dementia, and most people do after age 85, well, not most, but half, someone needs to manage your services and health care. That is where Aging with Grace, your best independent life 50 plus club comes in. We help you by working the plan you give us before you become disabled. Because if you become disabled without a plan, or if the family or friends you are counting on to help you decide not to help you, you are doomed to be a victim of what others decide to do for and to you. Of course, some people, usually men, kill themselves when they decide their health is going downhill and they have no hope of ever enjoying life again. The problem with this solution to the question of where to live as we get older is, one, you might make a mistake and not kill yourself in your attempt, and instead make your situation worse, and two, you leave a horrible memory for whoever finds you, and three, your choice to end your life sends a mixed message to those who survive you. Life is so precious. I believe the memories we carry through life constitute and contribute to the quality of our lives. The memories we carry about the time leading up to and including the moment our parents die are precious and powerful. Concerning your parents, don't let these memories be ones that will haunt you. Concerning your children, don't give them memories that will haunt them. And to my children, grandchildren, in-laws, and everyone else, I say, I will literally haunt you if you abuse me. (laughs) Just kidding. Or am I? (laughs) I'm sorry if all this talk of dying upsets you. It is a reality we need to face and prepare for in order to make our life better. However, if you don't deal with the possibility of disability and the certain reality of dying by preparing for it, chances are you will be sorry. I am sharing this with you because I care. I want you to have the best health and quality of life. I created Aging with Grace for this purpose. Please join us. And with that, I'm signing off. Until next week, I'm wishing you a week of making happy memories. Bye for now. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the last episode. For more information, please go to agingwithgraceinfo.org. That's agingwithgraceinfo.org. Thank you. The Health Club for Seniors is your kind of place, so come and join us and age with grace.